Sugar, spice, and everything nice. We've all heard that old nursery rhyme, but what if little girls are made of more? Smarts, strength, with a big voice to match. Because playing like a girl is a compliment, not an insult, in spite of a world that doesn't always play fair. This is Thirsty the Podcast, Mothers and Daughters. Hi, everyone. This week, we are so excited because we have a special guest. We are so (laughs) excited to welcome Kat Tew, who is the host of a really great podcast about motherhood and raising strong daughters. Um, I know Kat from a past life. We used to work together um, and we've stayed in contact. So we're so happy to have her here to talk on the special topic today about moms, motherhood, daughters, um, and what we can do to, to raise our daughters to be strong empowered, um, and confident. So I'm going to pass over to Kat if you want to talk a little bit about your story and and your podcast too, which is so great. Sure. Thank you. First off, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, it's great to reconnect with you, Heather, and to meet you, Laura, and really get a chance to talk about some stuff that even though I talk a lot about moms and raising daughters, uh, the my divorce, my past divorce has really informed so much of that. So it's it's great to have that intersection that we can cover off on that I'm not able to talk about on my podcast as much. So yeah, as Heather said, we met um, working together on the Oprah Winfrey show. I am a trained lawyer. I have two girls or two kids who identify as girls. Right now they're 10 and 11 and their father and I split when I they were two and four, just about to turn three and four. So that was a really tough time, but, um, you know, pushed through, learned a lot, and eventually remarried about three years ago in 2020, 2019, excuse me. And now we are on a journey um, because my husband was diagnosed with cancer in early 2020 that thankfully he's in a good place now, but it was one of those surgeries that re- and treatments that made us recalibrate all of our intentions and how we wanted to live life. And some of the bucket list items we accelerated and some of our savings we reallocated into, you know, maybe out of the college fund and into a travel fund so that we could really maximize the time we knew we had. Um, like I said, he's fine. So I'm not making this about that. But I do want to mention that because, um, yeah, we're on month six of our school year long journey around the U.S., just looping the U.S. And while we've been on this journey, I've been able to, in addition to really uh, hating homeschooling and you know feeling that sympathy once again for everyone that went through it, um, <laughs> that's like the one thing that makes me think, was it worth it? Was this traveling and exploration worth it to go through this hell? But um, I've, I've also launched a podcast called Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them, and it's aimed at moms who are raising girls, but especially tween and teen girls because of the kind of body image issues uh, and dating and uh, sometimes gender fluidity, various things that tend to show up when you're when adolescence starts and then throughout the teenage years. So I'm really hoping to inform and inspire and and empower moms to feel like they're coming at issues with a sense of um, awareness and then really encouraging moms to stay kind of focused and mindful and and, you know, show up for themselves they want to show up <clears throat> show up for themselves in the same way that they want to show up for their daughters. 
Because I think sometimes as mothers, we get lost in the shuffle and we think like we, we have to do everything for our kids. Um, and what I realized, as I'm sure many moms have going through divorce, is you really have to be, be good with yourself in order to show up the best way for your kids. So what's good for you will ultimately be good for them. So trying to also talk about my, mindfulness, um, you know, intentionality, boundaries, various things that I think moms and women come, come up against and, and, you know, provide some wisdom on that front. So that's called know them, be them, raise them. Um, I'm on Instagram at know, be, raise them. And that's also, um, hopefully what we'll talk about today is kind of being moms of girls. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I don't know if you know this, Kat, but for, I was homeschooled for part of my education. Oh. <laughs> I know it's so much work. So I see you. I see you on all that. <laughs> well, you turned out great. So that must mean well. that you know, it, it can happen. All the scars I'm inflicting now, they will heal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure my mom at times is like, was it worth it? I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you hit on something, Kat, that made me think about um, – you know, and I've been thinking about it too, because, you know, all three of us have talked about we're on a journey. You know, all of us have been through divorce. Um, and something I've realized, I didn't – when I was a kid, you know, you think your parents know it all, right? Mm -hmm. And as a grown-up now, I'm realizing I'm growing up at the same time my daughter is growing mm. up. All of us have daughters here, all three of us. Um, and I think that's kind of like – you're hitting on that. Like, how can we almost parent ourselves? How mm -hmm. can we grow up better? Mm -hmm. How can we learn and ha and gain that wisdom? Uh, you know, because we're not perfect, as we all know. We yeah. definitely don't know it all. I right. mean, I know I don't. Maybe yeah. <laughs> y'all are more together than I am. But, you know, I, I think that's interesting. Like, learning, making mistakes. Sometimes they're big mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, at the same time, trying to be a good role model to your daughter and hopefully – I know I don't want her to make the, some of the same mistakes that I have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, in a way, I think divorce kind of threw that lesson at me in a very big way because the trajectory of my life, I feel like, you know, of course, there were hiccups and mistakes and you mess up and you fail. But uh, my divorce really was the first time that I had to hit full stop on. It felt like I was hitting full stop on everything and questioning everything. Um and then kind of realizing, oh, I am not this fixed person. The values that were given to me, what works for me? What do I mm -hmm. choose to carry from here on out? Things like that. So to your point about um, we're constantly learning, uh, I think that's one of the, the gifts of divorce in a way is it really, whether you want to or not, puts you in a place where you're forced to reconsider everything. And um, a lot of people don't have that sense of intentionality or don't, you know, maybe they don't, it's just divorce forces you to do that. And, and people may not choose to do that if life doesn't make yeah. them. You know, I love that. I never thought about that way, the gift of divorce. I've been <laughs> sitting in my like, terrible. I failed. We failed. Oh my gosh. Broke up my family. But I, you know that you're really right about that. Like I, I will say I've learned more in the last two years. Um, mm. going through this divorce journey than I've learned in a long time. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It is a gift. I've dealt with a lot of things that I never dealt with before. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think also, Kat, what you said earlier, I really liked as far as what's good for you is good for your kids. And I think that's a hard thing to really think about or what I struggled with when I was getting divorced. I felt a lot of guilt about it. And you're used to putting your kids first. And the way often we put our kids first is putting ourselves last in a really big way. And I had a lot of years of that. And so part of my journey at this point is... I'm more invested in myself, and that is better for my kids. But you feel a lot of guilt around that, or I did, Mm. like, you know, because I chose to get divorced and blew up their world in a certain way, and I felt so guilty about that. But I'm the happiest version of myself that I had been in years, Mm -hmm. and that is ultimately the best thing for my kids. And they get to see that, and they get to see me make these choices for myself, and I've been really intentional as far as, like, what I've been doing for myself and so because I want my kids to see those things that like I'm doing these things for Mm -hmm. me and I'm independent and they can do that too. Mm -hmm. And it's been Mm -hmm. a huge thing. And my mom never lived on her own. She never had her own bank account. And that was kind of like the time, you know, you graduate from college and you get married Mm -hmm. and you do that. And my kids are seeing a different story where like I'm running the household and it's just me and I'm independent. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for them to learn. 100%. And I think too, because if I'm not mistaken, you both have boys and girls. And and it, I think that's an incredible gift for boys is to see strong moms who navigate really difficult issues because they aren't going to look for the, um, you know, the woman that needs to be coddled and is maybe comes from a place of entitlement. That's at least in my head, that's my my hope. And that's what I think I've seen in a lot of instances is, you know, when when men grow up with strong, strong women role models, it really changes the trajectory of who they choose and what um, types of gender equity roles or stereotypes they, they might put out there. Like, yeah, just saying, like, kudos to you for being so intentional of all intentional about showing up the way you want to. And and that's such a gift for all your kids. Yeah. I mean, I have to think it's – Laura and I have talked about this a little bit too. Kat, I don't know if you went through this. Laura and I at one point looked at pictures of us 10 years ago versus now. We look like different people. Mm. You know, like I think this like person that was in there before, you know, that like went through a tough time in our life kind of went away for a while. And now that person's coming out. We, I know Laura and I, like my hair didn't look like this. Laura did not have pink hair. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like this whole side to us, you know, and I have to feel like that's better for my kids. Like I have this whole thing about my daughter is this wild little cheetah girl, you know, and I don't want life to take that away from her. And I think that kind of happened to me, you Mm. know, and like that cheetah girl in me is coming out now. I Um, love that. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know. Yeah. You're just making me think about that. <laughs> Y'all are making me think of two things. And this is reminding me of, so early on, when Laura and I first started recording the podcast, we didn't know what this was going to be. And we just were, you know, we're like, oh, this will just be about our disaster dating, you know, what we learned or whatever. And so, but what we realized is we started talking about it, you know, and we make this joke. We, were, we actually were not judging people. We're like, oh, we thought everyone else was horrible. Turns out it's us, <laughs> you know. And kind of what you're making me think about is, um, you know, as a mother, I, I think sometimes the inclination is to think, oh, I need to teach my kids. I need to raise them right. I, you know, role modeling, which that is true. But also they teach us so much. Like Mm -hmm. I know my kids teach me to be loving 
You know, Mm. like they are so good at being vulnerable and open about how they feel. Sometimes a tantrum is attached. But, (laughs) but, you know, like they really – because I'm not good at that. Like I'm very much locked box when it comes to emotions. You're almost never going to see me cry. Like I've had big big things happen in my life. Like my brother passed away once. I've cried about it once. And I'm actually Mm. really upset about it. Mm. You know, like things like that all happen. You can't tell. Right. Um, and I know that – and I'm not saying that's good. That's not a good thing. But my kids are so much – they teach me how to be vulnerable, mm. open with my emotions. That it's – so you know, and you're just making me think of like what are the things that kids teach us. You know, like they're yeah. so good at being loving. And like if they see I'm upset, they'll walk right over and give me a big hug and a kiss. Mm. Like they won't hesitate. And I feel like that's something as adults who kind of – we're not as good at that, I feel like. Or I know I'm not. Like you're you're like so worried about like overstepping. You're worried about, you know, instead of taking care of each other. My kids are so good at taking care of me. It inspires me to try to have more of that attitude actually, like mm. the seven-year-olds. I love – yeah. They, uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's so true how they teach us. I, it, it When you were talking, it reminded me of an instance. My I was passing the kids off to their dad when they were probably, it, it was pretty early, so three and four, four and five. And um, um, actually, excuse me, the girls were coming back to me and my daughter, one of them said, I miss, I miss daddy. And it triggered something in me, you know, because I was still, there's a lot more anger then. And so I was like, oh, well, uh, does this mean, do you want to spend more time with him? And, and she said, no, you know, you, you can miss someone and not want to be with them. And mm. I had never heard that. I told my therapist that. And she looked at me and said, I think your daughter might be on the fast track to becoming a therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's deep. <laughs> I know. And I, 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 just to your point about learning from kids, it's through my kids that I learned about how you can hold two conflicting emotions at the same time. And it's okay. I've always chosen one up until I was in my 40s. I always felt like I was happy or sad and I had to pick. And it it didn't really occur to me that to have both at the same time was totally fine until my kids brought it to my attention. Yeah. Well, y'all are also making me think, Laura, you made me think of this when you were talking about our kids. My kids are seven. They're, you know, they have crushes. They're definitely not going to be dating for like a million years. But like they are old enough to know who they want to be sweet on. And something I think that is awesome that I didn't have when I was a kid. I don't know how it was for y'all. But growing up, I thought the only option was I was born a girl. I am a girl. Um, I'm only going to date and marry a boy. I have to get married. Like there was, it was almost like life was prescribed for me. Mm. And, and I had to like fit within that chosen path. And what I think is awesome is that I know Laura's kids have brought this up. Like, you know, at school, like there are kids that are gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even talking about, um, you know, like my – one of my kids is very open about, like, I'm going to get married to a boy. Like, it is so – like, I will be shocked if he dates girls, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> but, like, that will be the shock to me. Like, he is so open about it. Mm. Um, he goes right to it. And I think that is so awesome. He started talking about when he was five. And mm. I know when I was growing up, like, I know people that are our age and they're yes. coming out for the first time. And I think that's something, too, that 
you know, another lesson I've been taught by my kids, like, you know, I know our kids have asked Laura and me, like, are you and Heather dating? My kids are obsessed with Heather and I dating. Like, I have to remind them that we have the same parenting (laughs) schedule. So we have a lot of the same free time together. So that's why we hang out. But they know socially, I'm probably going to be seeing Heather when they're not here. And they're like, oh. And then one of my kids was like, well, I got asked last week by one of my kids if I was gay. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But that's fine. If I were, I would have been told I can be non-binary. Like, they know all the things. And they're so open to it because, like Heather said, like, all of their friends, they see – so many different, you yeah. know, kids who are so open about who they are. They also see a lot of, you know, friends, parents who are same-sex couples. And, like, they definitely mm. are – it's very different from how I was raised for sure in a small town. Um, but they're just so open about it. They're like kind of you can be whoever yeah. you want, which is great, yeah. because then they know they can be whoever they want, which is great. But, again, yes. Heather and I are not yeah. dating. Um, we are not a couple. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I I tell this story. I was laying in bed with you know trying to get one of my kids to go to sleep. Um, the one that I'm that I think is we're going to see how things land. But I was laying in bed with him, trying to get him to go to sleep. He was five. He said, "Mom, when I grow up, I think I want to get married to a boy. Is that okay?" And I was like, "Yes, that's totally fine." And I went out in the hallway and I would laughed hysterically because I was like, "I think my five year old just came out to me." <laughs> I mean, I think it's so awesome. I I don't know. All this is just making me think of like dating and who to be sweet on. Like I almost – I'm inspired by like all these kids around us that like it is so not – like I just know that I felt like my life was prescribed to me, Mm. you know, when I was a kid and and kind of feel like maybe it's better for them now. Yeah. Well, it says a lot too that – about the environment they're they're growing up in, that they can show up the way that they do and authentically and not feel like, oh, I don't think I should say this because someone's going to make fun of me or my mom's going to be upset. So um, yeah, my same thing. Like, kids at my daughter's schools and one of my daughters still identifies as a she, her, um, but wasn't so sure at a certain point and it may change. And yeah, uh, so yeah, it's great. That, that they can feel uh, that it's okay wherever they land and that yeah. we'll still love them. Well, good job, moms. Yeah, yay us. Yay us. <laughs> good job, you know, that they're able to like – I know I was always, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't even know this stuff was an option, you know, and it makes me like hopeful for their dating life that they're going to feel, you know, like no shame, feel like they can go and do what – how their spirit is leading them and what they think is right. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like what was your – this is a big deal for I feel like for people that are parents and dating. When you do meet someone, you're like, ooh, this is, this is a real thing, a real thing. I'm meeting this person. We're going to date for a while. You know, how do you – what were kind of your criteria for when and how you would introduce – maybe a potential partner or, or even if it was just someone that was serious and significant in your life to your kids? Yeah. Well, the way it worked, because I don't know if I've now become kind of like you, Heather, but the only person that my daughter's met is my now husband. So um, so I, I think, you know, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just there was on some level, I wanted what I knew about my relationship to match um, their understanding of it, because I, I'm not, 
uh, you know, my my previous marriage, there was a lot of lying and covering up or omissions of the truth. And I, there, especially then, and I, it's continued until now, but this idea of wanting to be in integrity with my kids. Mm-hmm. So I, when I got to a level where I felt like emotionally, I was feeling a, a certain way about this person and I knew they were, were reciprocating and we had plans, no plans of it terminating at any point in time. Uh, it it kind of felt like this is this this feels okay. Um, I I felt safe with him, and I felt safe with an idea of them meeting him, uh, because I think they were five, six, seven at the time, and I I knew they were sort of impressionable, and I didn't want them to get too excited about meeting someone that might not stay around for a while and get uh, become super attached. And um, yeah. to, Laura, I know you mentioned before that they get used to seeing people come and go. Um, but the, the suddenness of their dads and my split, uh, to me felt like I, I wanted them to, I wanted to be, I, I didn't want them to meet anyone that I wasn't feeling like this is a solid person that I would feel comfortable marrying someday. Um, if marriage is in the cards, but being yeah. with indefinitely. So that's kind of how it worked out for me. And when, when they did meet, uh, he was just a guy I was dating and they got to pick what they could call him. So um, his last name's Ferris. And initially they started out by calling him Mr. F. Because he's... Oh, no. I, I don't know. I don't know why. It's, I know, so formal. Like, what are we? Like, was this Welcome Back, Cotter? It just felt so funny. Um, but after a few more visits, at one point, one of my daughters started to want to call him Dad or Daddy. Like, mm. I, I think he showed up for them in that way because he always loved kids. Uh, he was teaching them, like ha- helping them learn how to ride a bike. Um, he he actually bought them their first bikes, that kind of thing. Wow. So I think I think there were things about him that that sh- um, just made them think, oh, you're kind of like a second dad. Um, so they he, they started to call him daddy for maybe 20 minutes and then. John, my husband, was like, actually, you know, you do have a dad. So technically, I'm not your dad. <laughs> um, so, um, but you can, you know, anything else, you know, Papa works for me. And one of my daughters was like, so you're not daddy. Fake daddy. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I know. That lasted for, you know, for like, it became a joke for a few months. Like, hey, fake daddy, can you <laughs> grab that for me? And pass it? Yeah. I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think um, for us, that worked, that kind of waiting a while. And then when the introduction came, um, letting it, letting the togetherness really letting them drive a lot of it. I asked them yeah. about it recently and they said both of them felt like in the moment, the first time they met him, they didn't know what to do. They just kind mm-hmm. of felt awkward and uncomfortable. So um, they just played in another room after we finished dinner and he and I hung out in the kitchen and then, you know, he left. So it, it, yeah. it was not forced. We, we sort of let them drive the ship around how much togetherness, how much playtime together were we going to have versus, you know, you don't, yeah. So so that's what worked for us. But I think uh, we I think letting them drive the boat on how close and, and how connected we were going to and when helped helped us get a relatively smooth journey. 
Um, okay, so we've been, uh, so y'all, I think what we're going to do is we're actually going to close here and we're going to have a part two. So we're going to keep talking uh, in a part two because we're having a great conversation. So we're going to keep going. So thank you, everyone. And we will be back with more. Still thirsty? Don't miss part two of our Can't Miss Conversation with Cat 2 host of the podcast, Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them, helping moms be and raise strong women. We'll be talking about the gift of divorce. Yes, I said gift. And don't forget to follow Thirsty on Facebook, Instagram, and all your favorite podcasting platforms, because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more.